0: You're one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday. Each week, you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, orchids, the masters of lying, cheating and stealing. Your teacher is distinguished Professor Kingsley Dixon from the School of Molecular and Life Sciences at Curtin University. Kingsley, good afternoon.
1: And good afternoon to you, Richard.
0: Now, orchids have gained this global presence by being specialists. That's quite unusual, isn't it, in both the plant and animal kingdoms?
1: So um orchids sit right at the top of the pyramid of plant evolution. Uh, sure, I've got mates who work on banks here and other groups and say, no, you can't say that. But they really are. They've, they've got more sophistication, more tricks and more ingenuity in the way they tackle the environment. How do they get pollinated, how they get nutrients and how they survive than almost any other plant. And as a result, they've grown to an astonishing number of species. They
0: need to use a lot of trickery, though, don't they? They, you know, Other flowering plants send their seeds off with a supply of, uh, of, of, of victuals, if you like, to get them growing, but orchids yeah. don't.
1: No, that was the great uh, step that orchids did that only a few other plant groups um, came across. So they decided, wow, well, we could conquer the world if we had really tiny dust-like seed. But when you've got tiny dust-like seed and you can fit about a 1,000 orchid seeds into a wheat grain, so they're pretty tiny, all except vanilla orchid seed. They're one of the largest seeds in the orchids. But almost all the other 35,000 species use this trick. And it means wherever they land, if it's soil for one of the bush orchids and there's many of those around Sydney or a rock orchid um, growing up on the Hawkesbury River um, they need the assistance of other organisms and often these are called uh, mycorrhiza let's just call them helper fungi and they essentially fool the, the fungus into believing they've got a home they take the nutrients and the fungus is left bereft of those uh, and and it's, it's a particularly successful strategy because orchids have used that to diversify uh, in a, the most astonishing way. So it was one of the great tricks.
0: To, to basically trick the fungi into feeding them until they were old enough to, to photosynthesize their own food. I mean, at some points, some yeah. of the orchids start to give back, but not all of them.
1: No, uh, a few of them trade, but the trade that we've, now, we've just published a paper on this, the trade is very much. I will help you, fungus, but then next year I'm going to take you. (laughs) So it's a courtship that that is conditional. And the orchid really leads the charge on this. And, uh, you know, north of Sydney, um, you've got the eastern version of the Australian underground orchid, and that's the ultimate cheater on this relationship. So it has no green leaves, doesn't actually have functional roots, and just uses this thing like a, a deformed miniature potato to harvest the fungus, get the nutrients from it. And when it suits it, it actually digests the fungus. So the fungus doesn't know that it's about to be eaten, so keeps uh, thinking it's got a good home because the orchid cleverly provides just a little bit of sugar and occasional nutrients, but then takes them all back when it's ready to get a feed. Okay your house has just eaten you, um, something that yeah, yeah, might, uh, yeah. might
0: chime with Sydney rental uh, Sydney a mortgage uh, owners. Um, <laughs> sometimes they disguise themselves, don't they to, to, uh, to, so they look or smell like the pollinators' potential mates or, or their favorite flowers.:
1: Yeah, so the, the other big trick, and this is what uh, uh, Charles Darwin got really hooked on. Um, his, his great love were orchids and carnivorous plants before he decided to try and work out where humans came from. So we were were third in the lineup. But orchids were his great fascination. And he was the first to actually show that orchids, uh, and these are the little bee orchids that uh, were once common in Britain, use a a system of deception of uh, a, a male bumblebee to come in and pollinate them. And we all thought this was fine but then in Australia, wonderful woman in the 1930s uh, down in Victoria, Edith Coleman, she actually stumbled across it in the Australian slipper orchid. Um, and what we've discovered is Australia is the centre of this process of sexual deception, where the orchid produces an alluring pheromone. It matches that of the female. In, it can be a wasp. It can be a sawfly, it can be a range of different bugs. Uh, it can even be fungus gnats, which are minute. And they're then the greenhood orchids that'll be in flower in wintertime. And they use this deception to bring in the pollinator, because there's two things that you use to get pollinated. One, you give a food reward, or you can use a sexual reward. And so orchids have found this is pretty smart in Australia, more than any other place on earth we've got almost every patch of bushland will have some orchid playing the sexual deception game.
0: That's right. I mean, because it's not a real sexual reward. It just looks like one. They they often settle, they often do best in, in really um, inhospitable soil, don't they? In, in quite poor soil. What, what's, what's that about?
1: Uh, real estate, orchid real estate is, is difficult because they're all pretty small. Um, and on the East coast, uh, and in the top end of Australia, we have orchids that have decided, well, we're going to take the hardest bit of real estate, which is a bit of a tree trunk, a twig for the leafless orchid, which grows up on the north coast. Um, the rock lily orchid, which grows on a rock face. There's virtually no other plant. A few ferns will grow there and a few lichens. Um, but when you come to the ground orchids, these are the spider orchids, donkey orchids, hyacinths, um, life gets a bit tough. And so what they've had to do is find ways of getting into little patches of vacant real estate which no other plants there because they, they're not going to compete with a great tree or, or lots of shady shrubs. And by doing that, uh, it meant that they had to use special fungi. And so it comes back to the whole fungus thing living with those plants which gives them the edge to occupy the real estate because those fungi are rarely used by any other uh, flowering mm-hmm. plant.
0: 25,000 species. It's a sort of an astonishing uh, d- development of the orchids. And we should finish really with the, the, the orchid enthusiasts who are so dedicated to keeping the orchids going despite all the, the, the risks and threats of extinction they, they face. There was an example, for instance, in 2010 with police in England standing guard around the clock to protect a particular patch of orchids.
1: Ah, oh, Yeah, the, la- the lady slipper orchid. And if um – Uh, there's ever anything that gets people riled up, it's an orchid. And we've got cases in Australia where freeways have been deviated around a patch of orchids. We've had housing developments where they've had to leave, and it's pretty good, nice patches of bushland because of orchids. And even when people haven't gone and done a botany degree or not an orchid enthusiast, most people know an orchid love an orchid and respect them and you know if there's anything for self-improvement you know get out and look for some wild orchids it's the most exciting and I think uh, best way to spend a weekend <laughs> and uh, and see if
0: you can protect them while you're there hey uh, Kingsley thank you so much for your time oh it's always a pleasure thanks Richard there's a distinguished Professor Kingsley Dixon with another self-improvement Wednesday he's from the School of Molecular and Life Sciences at Curtin University you can hear his lesson again online of course abc.net.au slash Sydney. You can find details of how to subscribe to the free Self-Improvement Wednesday podcast. Uh, Subscribe to Thank God It's Friday while you're there. Next week a lesson from Dr. Evangelina Matsouris, the Program Director of Nutrition and Food Sciences at the University of South Australia on what happens when we eat salt. That's Self-Improvement Wednesday next
1: week.